I was asked to babysit on election night uh, for for a young couple I know who are very political, very keen Labour supporters. Um, and they were going to spend the late evening and the early hours of the following morning at Labour HQ cheering on Jeremy Corbyn um, and his gang uh, towards victory. Um, well, at least that was the plan. Anyhow, I got to their house around eight o'clock and mum had just given the baby, uh, Ramsey, a feed and um, I helped her put him to bed very happy young little boy um uh, lots of smiles lots of giggles and off he went to sleep so two two o'clock in the morning it came along and um, as i was giving him his feed i just happened to say to him uh look ramsey bad news i'm afraid mum and dad are going to be very unhappy when they get back because labor have just lost the election and have been trounced by the Conservatives. And if you think about it, Ramsey, what that means for you is that for the first five years of your life, you are going to be ruled over by a lying, immoral dickhead called Boris. I have to say, Ramsey wasn't happy. Hey, what's up, boys and girls? This is Educationally Outraged, and you're listening to me, The Rebel Head. Today, I am joined by my guest, Lucy Sessions. How are you doing, Lucy? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I just recorded that. No, you didn't. Yeah, it goes. Oh. Anyway, that's good. Uh, so, look, I suppose we better just start with the elephant in the room, and that's the election result. We've actually had the... What's funny about that? Nothing. What are you laughing at? Oh! <laughs> the casket. You know I'm recording this. Oh, Sorry. Go oh, away. Stop. Get down. <laughs> KT. Don't talk to Lucy like that. No. <laughs> I'm going to send this to someone. <laughs> uh, um, so I just want to, I do want to speak about the election result because it's depressing. Mm. So we've had a week of uh, Boris Johnson in charge officially, as mm. in he's been voted into power. Yes. And I just want to say, you know, this is a democratic society and it is as as it is. And although I have a difficulty with the fact that the Conservatives are in power, it's not that that's doing my head in. It's the fact that people have voted Boris Johnson yeah. into power because he's an idiot. Yeah. And I don't understand people. I don't understand the British public where they have a guy who lied about Brexit, 
he's he's an immoral person. I don't know any good about him. And they vote him into power. I don't understand it. I, I don't think they necessarily voted him into power. I think they voted Brexit. That's what they wanted because his whole thing was let's get Brexit done. And now that I suppose that's what he is doing. That's his focus. Um, but but even that, people have got very short memories because when Theresa May tried to get Brexit done mm. with a very good um, agreement with the EU, Theresa May's agreement, he was one of the leaders that kept voting that down. So he's been very cynical because he knew how this was going to work out. Yeah. In fact, the EU agreement that he has in place is now worse. I I mean... I have told you to watch it. You should absolutely watch it. House of Cards. Um, it's it was based on an English uh, TV show, but the Americans adapted it with yeah. um, Kevin Spacey. That that program gave me a different perspective on politics, um, and I think that it almost seems like the whole thing was orchestrated to get. And this is sort of like conspiracy theory kind of thing now. I don't think there's anything conspiracy of what you're going to say. But to get him into power, it seemed like her, like it almost seemed like she was set up to fail. I didn't like her anyway. Um, It just seemed like she was set up to fail. And now it's all worked out perfectly that the conservatives have this majority and they're going to get their own way. And basically the rest of us, the poor. Even if they've had that plan, what they've got to do, they've still got to hope that the British public votes them in. And I still can't believe they voted them in. But I can't believe, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a very badly run campaign by the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats. The Liberal Democrats, how can you turn around and say that you are going to not take any notice of the referendum? And we're just going to go back into Europe. That's what killed. That's what killed them. Mm. But Jeremy Corbyn, actually, as a person, is a good guy. Mm, I really like. And him. actually, if you look at the Labour policies, they're all right. Mm. I just don't understand how a party that's been in for how long they've been in for ten years. They've been in lo- lo- really long time. Conservatives, yeah, yeah, ten years. Okay, <clears throat> this is a party that have basically destroyed the NHS. Mm. Uh, taken all the money away from education. The SEM budgets in education is just But have terrible. you seen the new, the Queen's speech? Have you seen what they're promising? Oh, promising, because what Boris promises always happens, right? <laughs> well, Brexit's getting done. <laughs> but anyone would have done that anyway, apart from the Liberal Democrats. Mm-mm. That was already passed through. Yeah. It was not, not going to happen. All The thing about Brexit was, even with Labour, it's going to happen, uh, but we want a, we want a good deal. Mm. want a good deal for for us um so it was always for him saying we're going to get brexit done it was always going to get brexit done yeah what i'm saying is you have you have you have him walking around saying what's happening in the nhs is a disgrace we're going to put it right you're the ones that have made it a disgrace for the last 10 years Mm. education at the moment is a disgrace because you lot messed it up but people uh, oh, yeah, they're still voting for them. I don't get it. I'm mm. just at a loss. I, I just think, to be honest, I think a lot of people get their sort of their info from newspapers like The Sun. 
and that's how they then form their and that's opinions. Why, and they're being fed these opinions and then they just yes, take them on. Because the Sun, the Daily Mail, the Daily Express are awful Yeah. Uh, and they are, and they're, con- and they're controlled by the people who would benefit the most yeah. by having the conservatives so, so, in power. So, so what's happened is the uh, the circulation for the newspapers has gone down over the years. Mm. It's gone from the millions to the hundreds of thousands. Apart from the Sun, I think. I think a lot of people still read the Sun. I can't even say the word because they're a bunch of scumbags. <laughs> Unfortunately, despite the circulation going down, the people that are left reading those newspapers are the more nationalistic mm. right-wing voter, mm. which is why we've got the result that we did because people don't think for themselves. They read newspapers and they believe what they read. Mm. I think I told you this already, but um, after I'd voted, I was speaking to my nan about it and I said to her, you know, I just, I don't think that Labour are going to win, but I feel like I've done my part and hopefully conservatives you know it will i just didn't want them to have such a majority and they did but anyway and she turned around to me and she said well <clears throat> i didn't vote for the conservatives but i didn't vote for labor either and it shocked me and i said to her why and she said well i just don't like that jeremy corbyn so i said why and she said well i, I just i just don't like him and that's the thing a lot of people don't know why they don't well, that why they didn't like him and why they weren't going to vote for him. They just had been fed this, you know, their opinion. And then they, they you know, just took it on and made it their own. And, and that was it. No one, there's no, there's no knowledge behind it. There's no, you know, okay, he's a bit of a hippie. And yes, I think their manifesto promised a bit too much because it made people think, well, how are they going to get all of this how are they going to fulfil all their promises? Yeah, it's but, it's but too why, much. Why do people not think that about the Conservatives? Because the Conservatives, after the last 10 years, haven't kept all their promises. No, of course. They've... <sighs> Shall we move on? Yeah, because yeah. we could go on. <laughs> let's, do, let's do that. Let's move on. Anything that um, has outraged you in the last week or so it can be anything you want. Not necessarily in the last week or so, but in general, people outrage me. Um, humanity. Wow. <laughs> okay, go on then. Um, just how inconsiderate people are, really. Um, I have neighbours who tend to start playing loud music at 10 o'clock at night. Um, really irritates me because I'm in bed at 9 o'clock. Um, Do you go to bed at 9 o'clock every day? I try. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I try. Not all wow. the time. I'm such a great... Sorry, <laughs> I have to let everyone know that we've got your sister here as well. Yes, my lovely sister, Katie. Yeah, does she not annoy you? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, she's, come on. Yeah. It's, it's, right, can we start again? Yes, let's start again. No, it's Katie. On. Let me ask you again. Okay. Have you got anything that's outrageous you a lot? Well, now that you mention it, uh, I have a sister. I have two sisters, but um, one of them is just Katie. She She's... <laughs> you can speak if you want, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> now, <all> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
unfortunately i work with her as well yeah i uh, just Tell can't seem to it. escape her mm. unfortunately <laughs> no, she she actually makes it fun <laughs> shouldn't say that to you but <laughs> no you shouldn't now tell me about people yeah it's just how inconsiderate people are I can't stand it I really can't I just think that um I don't think humanity was made to live in close proximity with one another with one another it just doesn't yeah it doesn't work at all um mm. yeah there's about six billion people on the planet so yeah. it's it's just a little bit difficult, isn't it? Yeah, that's why people should stop breeding. <laughs> just stop breeding? Yeah, stop breeding. I mean, you could go into the centre of Australia and absolutely be living on your own. Yeah. I mean, you will die. Yeah, because... have you seen they're, they're experiencing the worst heat yeah. wave in history? It's like 47 or something yes. there at the moment. Yes. And it's not even the peak of summer. So do you have, um, a, have you got a fix for this? What are we going to do? Um, for me personally, my plan is to move out as far as possible from people, but, um, it's not actually, it's not possible at the moment. Um, in general, no, because then I'd probably get accused of. Hold on. You live in London. Yes. Not a good place to choose to live if you. No, but I didn't choose. I was, I was born here and, um. So you're now blaming that on your mum. Yes. Yes, I am. Wow. <laughs> She chose to have me. Yeah. Oh dear. Let's not even get into that. <laughs> Shall we stop? A bit of a rabbit hole. Shall we just stop at this moment? I think. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'll tell you what's been outraging me. So have you heard of Mesut Ozil? No. Jeez. Is this football? Yeah. Oh no, definitely not then. You've heard of Mesut Ozil, Katie, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he is a, I don't know how to describe it. He is a footballer. He plays for Arsenal. And for those of you that don't know Mesut Ozil, he is an extremely talented footballer, okay, when he chooses to be, all right? Uh, but I'm not outraged about him because of his footballing skills. I'm outraged because uh, a couple of weeks ago, he put on his Twitter account, uh, well, he's a Muslim, okay, mm. about the plight of a group of Muslims in China, in northern China. I'm not sure exactly where. Okay. And that the fact that they are being persecuted, and they are being persecuted, there are basically concentration camps. I was camps. about to say, I've read, yeah, yeah. Okay, and China didn't denied this. They're saying um, it's all fake news, and uh, we're just re-educating them. He tweeted this out, saying that uh, the world's forgotten what's happened to our Muslim brothers and sisters, um, and we just close our eyes to it. The result of which was that China uh, went into one about it. Uh, there was a football match due to be played that day uh, that was going to be aired in China uh, or shown in China. Uh, it was an Arsenal versus Man Manchester City. China took that off the airwaves. They've shut down his his accounts, so you can't really search for Mesut Ozil on the internet in China at the moment. Mm. And that's bad enough. But what's really annoyed me, because China, you would expect that sort of thing from. Mm. What really annoys me is Arsenal Football Club, a club that I've supported for many, many years and has, I believe, certain values. Arsenal Football Club then sent out a, a, a tweet or whatever they sent out 
distancing themselves from Meza Ozil's wow. comments. Can you believe that? No. Well, Saying that I we can. do not support. Uh, this is it's a personal issue with him, and we do we do we don't support what he is. Not they didn't say they didn't support what he said, but they don't support anything that is political. Mm. Well, for me, it's not political. Mm. Uh, it's not even about religion. This is a this is human rights. Isn't human it? rights. Okay. Mm. And um, all I can say is shame on you, Arsenal Football mm. Club. Mm. Uh, if you look at, um, there's a club in Germany called Cologne and they've pulled out of a deal to do some a training stuff with their footballers or something in China. And they've pulled out that and they've actually gone on the internet and said that they don't want to work with the regime that's abhorrent as China. They've actually said that mm. and good on them mm-hmm. and very, very bad Arsenal Um I'm ashamed to be an Arsenal fan. Wow. Never thought I'd hear those words come out of your mouth. Well, there you go. I think it just comes down to the fact that money, money is... Oh, no, it's all about money because uh, uh, Arsenal have apparently a chain of restaurants in China that they... That they want how to, bizarre. How bizarre. Restaurants. Yeah. Because that's where the next, you know, that's all the money is, is, is China. Yeah, of course. Uh, but no... We don't care about the money. We shouldn't care about the money. No, no, In fact, if Arsenal played better and got themselves into the Champions League, we really wouldn't need to worry about the money coming from China. Mm. And actually, what the other thing is, when Arsenal said they don't want anything political, the very same day, Hector Bellerin, he tweeted on the day of the election, uh, worse to the effect of, up yours, Boris Johnson, or something <laughs> like that. Don't vote for Boris. And Arsenal said nothing. Wow. Yes. That's not right. No, but although we do agree with Bellerin. Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so Lucy, I just have to ask you this question. Yes, I'll say that again. So, Lucy, hit me in the so head. We're recording side with Lucy going, Oh my god, and then you start talking, and all you hear is, oh. Anyway, um, so Lucy, gonna ask you this question. I ask it to everybody mm-hmm. What are your views on the monarchy? I I'm conflicted. Shock. <laughs> so, I've always been against the monarchy. I think it's a waste of money. Um, I'm against the idea of people, you know, having a birthright um, to the throne and the line of succession, etc. However, I bloody love The Crown on Netflix and it has piqued my interest in the monarchy and... I don't know. I, I think I was watching this documentary last night on the House of Windsor and how the um, effect. <laughs> I'm really. So up- Yusuf said that he was not going to interrupt Lucy on this and that he was going to answer a question and not this say is, anything. This and is wonderful. I'm just able to talk. But look how la, 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 he's la, getting. La, la. Um, <clears throat> are you upset with me? I don't. I'm, I'm feeling a I'm bit really nervous. I'm really shocked. About what part? Because I just said that, that. You said that you sort of like them. No, I don't like them. 
I think no, I don't I don't like them. I like the the crown. It's excellent. Very, very well written. No, no, because um, right, hold on. Lev, I have got to interrupt. I'm sorry, I know surprise, I said surprise, surprise. But I was not going to interrupt, but I am going to interrupt this because liking the crown mm-hmm. doesn't mean to say you like the monarchy. I, I don't think right? I said I hold like on. them. I don't, think I said it That's picked, my job. picked my interest. Yes. You're just All the crown is is a a very bad historical account of no, the crown. I think it's a dramatic account. Dramatised. Yes, it's dramatised, but it's not, yeah. it's, that's all it is. So it's giving you an, an historical <coughs> viewpoint <clears throat> of the monarchy. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan, historically, of mm-hmm. the kings and queens of this country, but I dislike the monarchy. Mm-hmm. Let me... If you're waving to liking the no, monarchy, I'm not. Oh, you just said that you were conflicted. No, I'm conflicted as in, and I think that's that's why they've lasted so long because they are. It's 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 the mystery behind. There's them. There's no mystery. Oh, for God's sake! I'm not allowed to have an opinion. Okay, you're you, right. I'm wrong. You can have the an end. opinion. La 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 la. No, outro music. You can have an opinion, but let me just. Throw this in. Yes. There's no mystery about them. The only mystery is what Prince Andrew gets up to in America. That's the only mystery. Uh, That's what you want to throw in there, isn't no, it? No, it's not what I'll throw in, but it is, it is of no surprise to me. Mm. All right. Uh, ask me where Meghan Markle is at the moment. Uh, okay. Where is she? She's in Canada. I didn't even know that. For six so you weeks. You don't like the monarchy. For six weeks. Mm with her husband and their baby mm-hmm. to get away from it all, mm-hmm. which sounds lovely, mm-hmm. but it's on my money that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think what I actually started this off with was that they're a massive, they're a ma- massive waste of money. And I disagree with that. That That's what I first said. So, all right, let me, all right. If there was I didn't a vote, say I, I didn't say I like them. No, you can like them. I, I don't I, I like try- them. I mean, if there was a vote then, yeah. do we get rid of the monarchy? Yes. 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 See, do you know what's happened here, Kate? So he's asked me the question. I've said I'm conflicted and then he stopped listening and then waited to butt <laughs> no, in. Because no, you're gonna listen true. you're gonna listen back to this and then you're gonna hear what I actually said, which was I don't agree with them. I don't agree, like I said, with with the fact that it, I, well, I perceive it to be a massive waste of money, and I don't agree with, like I said, the 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 whole birthright thing, and they are the chosen, you know, by God and everything else. Like I don't agree with that. Well, they're not chosen by God. That's not quite right. No, I don't. Okay, okay. Let's end it there, shall we? No, I don't want to end it there. I don't want to end it there. Okay. Just wipe all of that out. Do you want to ask me again? No, I don't want to ask you again. Because what's your... I mean, what do you think? Well, I don't really have an opinion on them. You know what annoys me? Is People that you get the Daily Mail, the Sun readers, mm. uh, who say on all the right wing nationalistic fans saying we love the monarchy yeah it's all it's british values the monarchy we love them we love the queen mother love it right love all of that because they're true british 
They're oh, not. They, they're not. They're all German. They're German. Yeah. <laughs> and they were German. Yeah. At the last. Uh, and Greek. So if you look at the the King Georges, the mm-hmm. f- four of them were all German. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we stem from. They stem from uh, a German uh, past uh, 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 um, line, mm-hmm. um, and that continued with Queen Victoria marrying mm-hmm. Prince Albert, who was German. She actually spoke German. Yeah, they had. A German surname, I can't remember now. Saxe-Coburg. Yeah, yeah, which was which was German okay. until the First World War. And do you know why they changed their name to Windsor? Yes, they rebranded themselves why? because of the Nazis. No, that is not quite correct. They rebranded themselves because in the First World War, right? Mm-hmm. There was not the Nazis. Sorry, not the Nazis. No, no the Germans. Just yes, the Germans. Yeah, just the, the Germans. Germans. Yeah, yeah. Because a plane. Oh, yes, had the same name as them. And, yeah, yeah, bombed at school. But it was also right? that there was like an anti-German. Yes. So everyone yes. who was not just because of that no, no, name, no. but yeah. But, yeah. And their name was linked to that. Yeah, plane. The company. Yeah, yeah. And what happened was the guy in charge who was looking after the world thought, what name? What can we, what can I, what mm-hmm. can we do? This is not going to go down well. And they tried all these different names out. And he was actually at Windsor mm-hmm. and was looking out the window and went, Windsor. They're going to be now known as the Windsors. That's mm. how they got their name. Mm. They didn't even have to sign a deed poll for it. Mm. Like I did when I changed my name. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just, they're not British. Mm. They are not British. And we have to pay so much money for them. But I'm not going. I'm. I'm not here to comment. Obviously, I'm just. <laughs> obviously, I'm just listening for your opinion. So, so. I really can't wait until he edits this. So you're you're anti. My name's Lucy. <laughs> you're anti. You're anti monarchist. Yes. Okay. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. Yeah, let's just uh, let's just leave it there. All right, um, let's move on to your fave Fab Four plus one. All right, uh, so you're going to talk about your favorite teacher, your favorite piece of music, your favorite book, and your favorite film. And your plus one, who would you invite to dinner, dead or alive? Um, so you uh, so you can invite them round and have a little chat with them. So my favourite teacher uh, is Mr Lefebvre, David Lefebvre. Um, and, um, and the reason why I've switched over is just because of the, when we started talking about the music, mm-hmm. um, he was the person who gave me my love of classical music or actually my my eclectic musical taste. Even asked Casey the other day, we were in the car and she said, I, I wouldn't be able to sort of pin one genre down on you. She would never guess never be able to guess if I liked a song or not because I like such a varied, mm. such a variety. Because um, what is mad about this conversation now, we are actually talking about your favourite piece of music, but we've gone back to your favourite teacher, haven't we? Yes, 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 we have. So he, I remember one time we were in class and this was back in the, well, back in the days when that primary school 
didn't seem to have any sort of curriculum and just taught what they want. We did, um, I was in year four, five, six, <laughs> which was one class. Year four, five, six was okay. one class. And um, this is not with Mr. Lefevre. Uh, and we studied India for three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Anyway. It's a big country. <laughs> Got through quite a bit. Um so, yeah, so one time we were in Mr. Lefevre's class and he said, right, this is what we're going to do. Everyone is going to get a piece of paper and a pencil and I'm going to play a piece of music and you are going to close your eyes, take your pencil and just draw as you listen to the music and just sitting there and doing that and then afterwards we, we opened our eyes and we had a look at the... The, the piece of paper the art that we had created and I don't I don't know I just from then I just it's almost as if it sort of opened up my my eyes to music another another part of the world you didn't think it existed because you know uh, the, the piece that we're looking to uh, listening to Claire de Lune by Debussy it's a beautiful piece of music. It's it's really lovely. Whenever I listen to that, I just feel calm and at peace. If I'm angry, if I'm upset, it just it speaks to my soul if I believed in souls, which I don't, but that's a story for another time. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so thrown him hasn't it it hasn't thrown me because you talk about your soul <clears throat> if you believed in the soul but you don't believe in the soul yet i found your book choice very soulful yeah i suppose so so your favorite book and why my favorite book is veronica decides to die and it's my favorite book because I think it was the first book that I read and I was quite young when I read it. My aunt had given it to me to read. Um, I'm not sure if a child of that age... I was going to ask, how, how old were you? I was, I can't, I really can't remember, but I was... Secondary er, school? Early, yeah, early teens, I think. Mm. And I suppose it's the first book that I read that made me really feel something. Um, and it made me sort it gave me a new, a different perspective on life. Um, so it's a book about a young woman who decides that she is going to die. She wants to commit suicide mm. and um, she fails. Mm -hmm. She wakes up in a hospital, mental hospital. And a mental institution. Mental institution. Mm. And she is told that 
she only has a couple of days to live because mm. like it's a it's because of the drugs that she's taken it's had an effect on her heart and she only now only has a couple of days to live and she then decides to truly live and i think a lot of us <clears throat> whenever we are sort of touched by death if you hear if you hear someone has died and they i don't know they could be older they could be younger they could be the same age as you 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 do sort of you start to really look at your life how you're living and you almost want to I'm trying to stuck for the word now. Um, sorry. You want to live more. You want to make the most of the time that you have. But then I find that that wears off after a couple of weeks because you get back into the habit of, do, do you know what I mean? If you've ever heard of someone dying, you're like, yeah. So a few years ago, my mum had a heart attack and it really brought home that, we're all like mortality and we were like you know we have to be kind to each other we have to all stick together we're never going to argue we're going to you know we're going to be so close-knit we're going to meet up really you know all all the time and we're going to do these great things together and you know we are as you know we are quite a close family anyway but all of that sort of fell through (laughs) it's like you know every a few months ago we had a really nice evening with our other sister and we were like we're going to do this once a month we're just going to come together we're going to watch a film and we're going to have a really nice evening and we haven't done that since and I think it's the same thing when someone dies you you start thinking to yourself well I need to make the most of every day it's like when you read a sad story about a parent dying and they've you know they've got taken their child to Disneyland or they've done all the things that they could do with them and you then strive to live every day like it's your last but then after a week or two you're like oh this is or you just don't do it in this book she actually then decides to really live because she she thinks she's going to die I don't know if that's a spoiler should I give a spoiler or not is anyone going to read it I think it's an amazing book and I don't think I don't think you should give the spoiler okay I won't give the spoiler but um yeah it's Are you spiritual? Have you got? Sp- would you describe yourself no, as such? No, I wouldn't. no, I would not. No, uh, but I think you really are. It's funny because people have said that to me, mm. and I just view human beings as lumps of flesh. So it's a bit strange that people think that about. But how? But then you read this book that is <laughs> yeah. actually yeah. But I haven't actually whole, done anything. Whole, but the, no, I know. But the whole message of that book is people are not just a lump of flesh actually we've got lots going on yeah and she finds that once she once she spends her time within that mental institution yeah yeah i think you're very what do you think i think she's very spiritual i think she likes to come off as hard yeah i think she's like yeah i don't care it's it's genuinely not because so it's not just the book the piece of music is it's very you could really get yourself lost in that in that music yeah but I, okay well. so i don't i don't believe that we're here and we experience emotions and feelings and all the rest of it mm. but once we once we die that's mm. it there's there's no afterlife 
Well, you can't say that, of course, mm. because what you what you can say, you don't believe there's any afterlife. Yeah, it's not there. So, but it's your okay, I don't but, believe but, that there's an afterlife. Yeah. Yes, but you don't believe there's an afterlife. I just think that's it. Is that not a sad way to live, though? No, because then I think it's sad when people live for their afterlife. There are many people, you know, maybe very devout people mm. who don't do the things that they want to do because they think that. Like murder, for example. Well, not necessarily, but if that's a thing. No, I'm joking. Um, no, no. I mean, I, like, I, for me, um, I seriously don't commit any crimes because I'm worried about what will happen when I die. It's, okay, and that's that's not a bad. And thing. I say that as a Muslim, but I think I've always, before I became religious, I think I've always felt that. Like I really believe that. I've, is that the cat? That's me. Okay, I really believe. Yeah. You know when they had the death penalty in America, mm. and they're saying, "Right, you know, if you commit all these crimes, you're going to you're sentenced to death." I think that's just such a cheap way out. Yeah. The best way is to keep them Suffer. in in prison. Yeah, of course, I agree. Uh, not seeing the outside world for another fifty years, and then die mm. and then go to hell mm. that's good that's the punishment yeah okay and I, I i don't and in that instance i don't think that it's a bad thing that you are not committing crimes because you don't want to go to hell well sorry can i just have a moral front as well i don't know that's what i was that's what i was about I, to say i think I, i'd I much rather someone not do it anybody. because they don't not necessarily murder but you know to do something wrong because they know it's it's the wrong thing to do i suppose no it is um, the wrong thing to do yeah but if i had committed something yeah if i was at the point of wanting to actually do something really really bad mm. like murder someone because it upset me mm. that is the one thing that would stop me mm. it would stop me it's that powerful for yeah. me okay and that and that's fair enough and i respect that i don't I would never disrespect someone's religion or beliefs Thank you, because I think that for a lot of people, and I almost envy people who are quite religious, um, especially I, from the sense I of believe that religion and the sense of community that they get from mm, it. I wish that I, I think had religion that, but catches you up. It will catch up with you before you die. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Mm. We'll see. I wish I had that faith in higher power. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's done for a reason. Yeah, and, I, that, and that, that's the thing that really just I can't, I can't let me, get on Let me board say with. this to you. Everything I've ever prayed for has come true. Yeah, but then there are people. So there's another book, the same, the same, Paolo Coelho, the same, the, the author of the yeah, Veronica Decides to, I was to gonna, Die. I was going to talk about the author because he's an amazing yeah. author. Yeah. He also wrote um, The Alchemist, did, which is his, and, and that's a, another yeah. really good book. And that's probably and his, that's, his most famous yeah, I would say work, so, yeah. yeah. And with that one, he's basically saying that if you want something enough, the universe mm. will conspire to give it to you. So there's that on it. So maybe it's not God that's doing it for you. Maybe it's the universe that's, but, but that's bringing it all together. But a lot of people say, not that we're turning this into a, a, no, no, no. a, a religious <laughs> show, but maybe, you know, the universe is God and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, have you seen the film of the book? No, I haven't. Okay, don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I tend not to a lot because yeah, I think they usually spoils yeah, books when they... 
yeah. turn them into films. Yeah, don't do that. Um, talking of films. Oh, nice segue. Nice, <laughs> nice. You've given me two choices, but which one did you go for? I think I'm going to go for Grave of the Fireflies. You see, there you go again. Just throwing that you off. That is such... No. Oh. I thought you'd go for it. A spiritual film. It's such a spiritual film. It's, in fact, it's crazily spiritually. It's crazy, crazily spiritually. <laughs> it's, it's a crazily spiritual film. Did you watch film. it? I haven't seen it, mm. but I've heard about the film. Mm. And the reason I've not seen it is because I think it would upset me. I don't like watching films that would upset me. Yes. Yes. Because you sort of know what happens before yeah. and it comes back to what, yeah. and, oh, I can't be doing that. Um, and it's children and it's just, it's just. Well, I'm glad you asked, Katie. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. Hey, Lucy, what is the film about? Well, let me tell you. So, uh, it's a Studio Ghibli film and they do, not so much now, but they do amazing, like amazing works of art I will say not even yeah. films they are works of art and um so funnily enough my son and I watched this on the bus Grave of the Fireflies when we used to travel um when we moved further away from his school and from my work we used to get the bus and it would take us about an hour every day to get there an hour back and we would sit on the bus and watch it in the morning and let me just say if you're planning on doing that don't because it is not a film to watch on the bus it's not a film to watch on the unless bus. you want to ball in public yeah and people to be looking at you and then thinking that you are you know your poor child sitting there um Did he cry? i can't remember quite he is quite an emotional yeah. young young boy he is, um yeah. so it's about two children uh who are affected i mean again this is a spoiler so should i I think you've got to say this, really, because it, it's the it's the core of the film. Okay, so they are affected by war; they become orphans, and it's about this. It, the the brother he basically looks after his little sister, and it's about their sort of journey. Um, it's so sad. So my friend went to. Um, Went to Japan and he brought Sorry, back. I just, I just in my head trying to think. It's the Second World War. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the. Yes, it's when uh, Japan gets bombed. It is. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying. To, yeah. Yeah, and he brought back. So in the film, they have this little jar of sweets, mm. and you know they can't eat them too often. So he mm. gives her one, and, and that yeah. just really perked. Like she loves it, and he brought me back a replica jar of these sweets, and I'm not joking. When he gave it to me, I burst into tears in public i was just mm. like oh, she loved these sweets <laughs> it's it, honestly it's it's such a touching film um so yeah so it's about him looking after her should i say much more i just think i think i think it is it is a it's a very very sad film but i think it's so beautifully well, told I, it's I important think, think to watch it yeah it's a very sad film but maybe you're crying your eyes out during the film, but possibly by the at the end of the film, it's sort of uplifting. Would you say? I do you know what it gave me? Okay, so it, uh, sorry, I'm saying this. I haven't, I haven't I've never watched seen it. it but, but <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't. I don't know. I would say that it. So in the Second World War, 
Japanese, the country Japan, Japanese people were painted as, you know, these terrible, yeah, the enemy, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's true of of most wars. Let's let's look at you know how Syria is being well, bombed at the moment. Well, history is dictated by uh, sorry, yeah, history or historical fact in inverted commas is um, always left to the victor. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and now I've lost my train. Of well, thought. you're saying that the Japanese were yeah, were so looked upon as basically evil. inhuman. Yeah, and. I think that this film, it just shows you that the people were victims as well and just how badly, and it, like I was saying, it's the same as Syria right now. You know, if you go to a lot of people, especially around here, um, you speak to a lot of people uh, about Syrians and what they're going through and refugees, they will tell you, oh, you know, terrorists, blah, blah, blah. But when but they are people, they are suffering, people who have done nothing wrong, people who don't agree with, you know, any of this that's going on. They are they are suffering. Yes. <laughs> so that so this film, it basically it just gives you It gives you a, another angle of insight into civilian suffering yes. in war. Yes. Because a little, you know, the footnote to that is that more more civilians have died in war than the actual soldiers mm. that fought the war, mm. and that's a that is a fact for every single war. Mm. That's really sad. Believe it or not, um, yeah. Go to see that film, but make sure you're fully prepared. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a film that you are going to watch and afterwards feel good about yourself after <laughs> it's but it's an important film i think and it's like i said beautifully told mm. okay um lastly your dinner guest who's your plus one oh it's so difficult i know you've got a choice of two and you were unsure oh, i still so unsure I find it so, I could be controversial. No, or... just, just, if you had one ticket for someone to come and sit down and you got questions, you've know got questions and you want to ask that person questions. Okay, so then yes, it would be, it would be my biological father. Okay. Because I don't know him. Yeah. Um, so, obviously I won't go into the big... Yeah, because we're going to meet again, aren't we? We're yes. going to have another. We've got another section of these podcasts, uh, which will I'll set in motion, and it's just going to be. It's going to be. It's it's um it is educationally outraged, but it's educate educationally outraged. It's going to be called the Searchers, and it's about uh, people like yourself, like me, um, looking for their biological parents, mm. and there's lots of different stories. So we don't need to go into too deep about that, but I am interested in. There's no reason why you can't tell the story here a little bit now. Uh, so I am donor conceived and I think, I think that I, I, I don't, I've said this before. It's a bit difficult with Katie here cause I know she gets a bit upset about it. Um, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't want any sort of relationship mm. with 
my biological father, mm. the sperm donor. Um, I just want to know where I'm from. Um, and that's, that's really it. Just uh, the only way I can describe it to people because whenever you you speak about it they'll always turn around and say well it doesn't really matter does it It doesn't matter because you can't ever imagine not knowing where you're from and the way I sort of see it in my head and how I try to describe it to people is like I imagine in my head a a family tree and above me there's a picture of my mum and where my dad would be there's a question mark and it's even if it comes down to things like you know everyday things if I went to the doctor uh so I went to doctor the other week because I had a a a mole Mm. that was getting a bit big that I was a bit worried about and she said to me oh do you have a history of skin cancer or anything like that in your family well I don't know (laughs) Mm. I don't know How, how do I answer that question um just things like that it's just it just would be nice to know where I come from um Okay, so <clears throat> we can get into the nitty gritty of that with the follow up podcast. Mm. Okay, and I know from my own experience about what you're saying, it's exactly that. You gave some examples there. It's very difficult, and there's there was a gap, definitely. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, we can talk about that. Let's imagine mm-hmm. that you found him. Mm-hmm. You sat down for dinner what would be the first thing you would ask him? Probably his name. <laughs> let's, imagine, <laughs> let's imagine you've sorted his name out because uh, you've invited him to dinner. You know, let's call him Bob. <laughs> oh, that's a good name. Um, <clears throat> probably why. Why? Why would you? Because I can't, maybe it's because I am a, a donor conceived person but i just can't imagine why anyone would want to give a part of themselves away to create a new life and not have anything to do with that new life at all like you, you... so it's very spiritual yeah. oh is it <laughs> I don't think I wouldn't say spiritual. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to connect the podcast together. <laughs> I thought we were doing a really good job so far. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. It's yeah. Just just why? Just why? Why? Why did you do it? I mean, it could be that he was offered money because apparently in the 80s, I'm giving away my age now. Um, in the 80s, that's what they did. They were offering money to young men to donate sperm to the sperm banks i don't know if they i don't think they can they can do i know they can do that in america i don't know if they can do that over here but there has to be some fallback for the child mm. well there there is now yeah that, that's the upsetting thing so i think it was in 1991 they passed like a piece of legislation that basically said that you have to keep non-identifiable information about the donors so that when the children i think it's turn 18 they can have access to that information and i think now what they're do they mean, working non-identifiable so like Hair colour, eye colour. But not who it is. No, not who no, they are. No, that's not good. Um, but now, yeah, I was going to say now you can, I think they're working towards not, it. yeah. And it, at the age of 16, you get to know, I think, that where you're from. And then at the age of 18, you get, if they, if the donor 
is happy with it, last known address, name, Mm. and that sort of information yeah but they can still opt out yeah at the Mm. age of 18 you can get that information and i think since then they've sort of they've they've seen a drop in people donating which is good in my opinion because you know i get it there are people who desperately want to have children but as uh, we know already my feelings on overpopulation um i just think there are so many children out there who are already here who don't have homes and i know it's really difficult to adopt but then people going to a sperm bank mm. why n- why not adopt because they want to carry their child because i think it's that's a mother's instinct. i think it's a woman's what? instinct yeah that you want nah, not all women no, i don't feel you, like that exactly no but you don't and that's i want a child <laughs> get out of here i looked into it i want a child and there's some t- some thoughts sometimes okay. where i'm just like i don't i don't want to have to do it with somebody okay. else and have to as a person who is donor conceived, I'm allowed to say this, and I think that people should not be allowed to do it. I think it's not fair. Um, a lot of the time, it's up to the 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 parents to decide whether or not they disclose that information. My mum would not have told me had circumstances not arisen that made her tell you have to tell me. Yes. Um, and we won't go into that now. We'll save that for later. Um, but. Yeah, so I just think, I just don't think people, I think there are other ways to go about it. Okay, so you'd ask him why. Why he did it. If he if he had ever thought about me, not me, but... The consequences for you. Yeah. Has he ever looked for you? That's what I'd ask. Yeah. Would he, he want to know? Has he ever tried to find out yeah. if his sperm was used? Yeah. Yeah. I'd ask that. Yeah. Yeah. Would you? Oh, thanks. Thank you. What was that? I would ask him, has he ever, like, tried to find out if his sperm was used? Like, does he have a child somewhere? (laughs) Or has he ever thought about it? Or is he just... Because in theory, they could have... Yeah. Lots of children. That's what messed me up in the beginning when I first found out, because I just started... I, I would sit on the bus, and then I'd be like, oh, that man could be my dad. That young person over there could be my brother or my sister. Yeah. That was my belly, sorry. Just a light in the mood. Yeah, a bit of comic relief. I'd hate that. Yeah, and that's the thing, the not knowing. Um, And then also, anytime you meet anyone, you have to just double check beforehand. Did your father ever donate sperm in the uh, 80s? (laughs) Just to make sure we're not siblings. I think it's such a great time to stop this yes, conversation. Probably, yeah. Yeah, good moment. Good moment. Okay. Okay, right. So here's a question. Uh, What do North Korea, the Albanian government that was from 1944 to 1985, and the Iranian cultural ministry all have in common with one another? You can discuss. (laughs) What do you think? Uh, I am trying to thread this back to education. And we're going to talk about behavior. 
or behavior policies would you like to discuss? Would you like some time to discuss with your sister? What have they oh, that's got? Not really going to be helping. No, no, I suppose. <laughs> not, not with... Um, oh, you know who would know? Jordan. I'm not sure he would know this. Should we phone him? Can I phone a friend? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't have his number anyway. Um, do you know? I do know. <laughs> I do know. I've written it down. Are you just looking for okay. it? No, I've already. I already know. I've I've just written it down in a in a on a blog. I don't know whether to read the blog or just try and be more natural. In be my more delivery. natural. I knew he was going to say that. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, okay. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she sounds like Minnie Mouse when she <laughs> Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, That's okay. Minnie Mouse, isn't it? Mickey, I don't know. Oh, one yeah, of no, them. Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I think Mickey Mouse does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does sound <laughs> like Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Maybe should be your producer. She'll just move things along yeah. quite swiftly. No. Come on. Come on. That's enough fun. <laughs> Come on. Stop. Stop, Stop laughing. Uh, okay. Well, basically, they all had, had um, uh, policies where you were not allowed to. <laughs> What's funny about that? Oh, it's her. She's dear. making me laugh. That's oh dear! Me laugh. I'm listening. I'm listening. Sorry. No. <laughs> Sorry. No. <clears throat> no. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing now. Oh dear! We should film this, shouldn't we? Really? You really should. Let's get this on YouTube. You should. Cat's had enough of you now. She's gone. Just get behind me. Is she? Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, basically, uh, he- hair. Oh, do you know what? I'm so irritated mm. with myself. I was going to say hair. It's all about hair. I was. I swear. I was going to say hair. They all got mm. the same haircut. No, they haven't oh. all got. The same... <laughs> <laughs> no, they haven't all got the same haircut. Lucy. Okay, that's such a stupid thing to say. Yeah, and they've all got the same haircut. <laughs> that's... Uh... Yeah. Is it okay? I know where you're going with this. Go. So basically. <laughs> Uh, so the North, North, North Korean leader ordered all the men, to, they have to have their hair. And women. Uh, I don't know about the women. Cut in a particular way. And the women. Uh, that, like his, because he's, oh, and the women. <laughs> I'm not sure it is the women. No, it's not. No, they don't have to have their hair cut like his. But basically you go into a hairdresser's and they have on the wall, I think it's like nine different hairstyles that you can choose yeah. from. And they're all nearly identical. They are. And you can only yeah. have those hairstyles. Yeah. And uh, our nationalistic leader of Albania mm-hmm. banned hairstyles for men that resulted in uh, their hair exceeding anything longer than four centimetres in length. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, our Iranian friends, um, following the Iranian uh, revolution of 1979, I think, could be wrong, could be 78. 7879 uh banned all hairstyles that represented anything close to western style type of cut wow and in this blog i've just written thank that doesn't take sense. thank whoever <laughs> the that universe. we don't have that sort of repressive mm. regime mm. in this country wow boris is in power now not long but and then as I was writing, but of course, what I'm trying to get to is we do. Yeah. 
we do have this regime yeah. and we have it in our academies, mm-hmm. in our secondary school yeah. academies. And I know this from first hand because I've recently gone in and upset an academy for their, what I can only describe as draconian policies uh, uh, around behaviour. Mm. I mean, it's quite stunning that children cannot go into a secondary school with any type of hair that they think represents themselves as children. We're always talking about children being able to um, be creative, be representative of who they are. When we stick them in school uniform, which I do as a head teacher, because I feel it's important. um, We're all part of a family. Uh, Some children can't afford other Mm. clothes, Mm. footwear that other families can. It all puts us on a nice level. Mm. Um, And that's, but that's as far as I go. I don't, I like it if children come in with different type of hairstyles. It's it's saying, look, this is me. Mm. This is what we do. But in secondary schools, they can't do it. And it just pulls me along to the, 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 I use the word again, draconian policies. This is all tied up in in in, in um, behaviour policies, apparently. Mm. And the reason I've brought this up is because I know you, Lucy, mm. have experience um, of these policies. Do you mm. want to talk about it a little bit, or do you want to go on a bit first? Because I can. If you, if I, I think you want to, so you, you may. The NEU, their annual conference, the rise of draconian and inhumane behaviour approaches. Wow. That they uh, use that language schools. is quite important. They're saying it's damaging to the mental health and education of pupils. Which is what I've been saying. Um, and they have asked the councils to regulate draconian school behaviour policies. Wow. Uh but of course, these are, I think these only sort of exist in secondary school academies. Yeah. What do you think? I think that the behaviour policies that they have in these academies, and I can't, I can't speak for all of them, only the one that my son goes to. Mm. Um, I, I have heard things, almost horror stories, I would say, of other schools that are quite close by, same borough. Um, but the issues that I've had in my son's school have left me with, and him, sleepless nights, um, frustrated to the point of tears. I, I, one of the teachers called me a few weeks back and I was so upset by what had happened that I, I said, I'm really sorry. I can't talk to you right now. I have to go. I'm so upset. And I had to hang up the phone because I didn't want to say anything that I would probably, later regret or or um would damage the relationship that I have with the school because that's that's what's important in these cases because if you come across as um I would say sort of maybe a bit too passionate overly enthusiastic that's where they sort of cut all ties with you and then you're seen as the enemy you have to be seen as working with them and that's the language that I try to use whenever I speak to them I work with the school and I want to be on the same side and I think that, like I said, the school that my son goes to, um, they it, 
the way that I see it is that they have they want the children to be these little robots, these these people that they can push into this box and mold them into a certain shape and then churn them out at the end and then out come these I think unhappy unhealthy you know young people who have lasting problems following them through the rest of their lives because they've had such bad experiences in these schools um they don't value individuality or personality you have to conform and if you don't they will force you to and if you then still don't they will put you like internal exclusions my son last year I think he had over 200 detentions um he also had I think he had three external exclusions I don't even remember how many internal exclusions um and he's missing out on learning when he's you know just confined to these rooms they that it's called the reflection room that they go to but it's a very small it's a very small room um, with some tables and the children have to work in silence. They aren't taught anything. They're given work to complete. Um, and he's falling behind in his work and in with his grades and they are not doing anything to bring him back up to where he needs to be. So it's all down to him to try and catch or down to me to try and make sure that he catches up. But it's almost an impossible cycle that he's stuck in because he's, he, he's always going to be out of class he has ADHD he has ODD which he was diagnosed with in January of this year um sorry I'm just going all around the houses I'm not actually getting to the to the point um and even getting that recognized has been a struggle he since he started he's in year nine now since he started secondary school he had trouble adjusting he came from a very relaxed primary school um and into this this secondary school where it's very like I said very strict they have their rules they have their behavior policy they expect you to and it's my fault as well for sending him there I probably shouldn't have sent him to that style of school but the borough that we're in is quite restricted because I think out of all of the secondary schools two of them or three of them aren't academies and I think one of those is a girls school so your options are quite limited anyway um so he's gone to the secondary school he's had trouble finds it difficult to concentrate which he has that's been an issue since primary school um and even when I brought it up to the I don't know if she's a deputy or an assistant head um that he was going through um the process of, of maybe possibly getting a diagnosis for ADHD she said that until they had the letter, they couldn't put him on the SEN register, which is nonsense because you can add and take off of the SEN register mm. if you have, it's down to the school, it's there. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So even getting that recognised was such a struggle. We had so many meetings. Um, and when it was finally recognised, they came up with this appalling ILP individual learning plan um things like it was very generic they just pulled bits and pieces off of the internet 
Sorry, I need to stop because I'm actually, I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I've gone all over the place. What was I, what was the question? <laughs> so no, I started good. talking about No, it. no, there wasn't a question. It was just what your views in, and I asked you for your, your, your experience, <laughs> which you are relaying well. I, I, I just, going, uh, no, no, you're not. I mean, going off. one of the things that I, I'm, we know the schools around where we are, the children are not even allowed to turn around. They're not allowed to touch no, their mm. peers. They're in, they're, they're in, they're in um, immediate detention. And there's a, again, on this piece that I'm reading, um, I quote, there was also concern. Sorry, let me say where I'm quoting this from, haven't I? This is from the Guardian. Uh, Wednesday, 17th of uh, April, 2019, um, from their education correspondent. And from that, they're saying that um, there was, I quote, there was also concern among teachers that schools are overacting to minor infringements. And any you activists from Wakefield, where Shorts, you're told of an 11 year old boy who was sanctioned for saying thank you for his lunch when he was supposed to be silent. They are not behaviour policies, they are punishment policies. Yeah. If you think that's education, God help you, because I don't. Mm. And that's the thing, isn't it? And I just feel you, they have, the, the powers that be have no idea what a behaviour policy is for. A behaviour policy should really be about the welfare of a child and how you're going to help improve that child. This is just punishment for punishment's sake. And it shows me that these schools have no idea how children work. Mm. When when I mean how they work, I mean what makes them tick. And 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 it's ruled by, they're, they're, they're ruling by fear, fear yeah. not yeah. through um, a policy that can actually help a child come out the other side. Mm. Because what happens is you just go in, in, a, in a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Which is what we're experiencing now. Um, I think that, like you said, it's, it's a, there's a, in these schools rather than dealing rather than rewarding good behavior which they do i'm assuming they do um everything is all well i'm not sure they do uh, reward behavior that a good behavior because there is the argument as well that children should the, the good behavior is the behavior they should be having anyway that's what they that's what they say i mean uh there was uh, a mass teacher uh no um Hold on. Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, so opposing this motion, a guy called Stuart Allen said it was sometimes necessary for children to be removed from classes because of disruptive behaviour in the interest of the rest of the class. I'm all too aware about the criticism some schools might attract if they enforce strong behaviour policies, but if a pupil is being disruptive, what about the other 29 pupils? What about their rights? Clearly someone who reads the Daily Mail. Mm, mm. I think it, as as adults, it's, it's on us to say what we can do to help the children stay in class because it's not benefiting them. And surely as a teacher, if you're removing a child from your class, 
it's only creating more work for yourself in the long run anyway, because then you have to turn, you have to then teach this child and, and help them catch up to where they need mm. to be, what they missed out on when they removed from class. In this school that I'm talking about, they don't seem to do that at all. It's then on the child. And I think that they're not seen as children in secondary schools. Um, whenever I've gone there and I've made sort of suggestions, they've said, well, this is not a primary school because they know I work in a primary school. This is not a primary school. This is not how we do things here. Mm. It's almost as if they suddenly expect them. They're patronising to you as well. Of course they are. Of mm. course they are. Uh, they don't like that. That I don't agree with the things that they do and that I'm mm. sort of challenging them, I suppose. Um, but as I keep saying to them, whenever the teacher phones me up and says, your son has an hour detention tonight, this is why I will say, so what did you do to de-escalate the situation? Because it's always, the, the onus is always on the child to de-escalate. Well, I gave him this, so they do a, a three-point system. They do um, reminder, warning, 20-minute detention. Then it becomes, I think it's a removal after that, which comes with an hour detention and then if you persist I think you get taken to the reflection room um and then a two hour I think that's how it works um so whenever he is removed because what will happen with him is he'll get stuck in this cycle because he has ODD oppositional defiance disorder so he will argue back he will question he will he doesn't understand why he's been given this detention he will he will argue about it and he won't be able to wait until the end of the lesson which is what he's supposed to do and i know it's extra work for teachers and they are already you know overworked and given you know so much responsibility and all the rest of it um and I know they have 29 other children in the class as well. And it's a lot for one person, especially in secondary schools. They don't have TAs in the class. It is difficult, especially if you have a child. Like Sorry, they son. don't have TAs in the class because there's no money around because the Conservative government that have just been <laughs> voted back in have taken all the money away from schools to employ teaching assistants. Although as far as academies are concerned, most of that money has gone paying the senior leadership team unbelievable amounts of money right well i don't actually understand why they don't have them in secondary schools i think there's one hlta in the entire school i don't understand how that is because i know for a fact that they do have some children with ehcps in there so what they're doing with that money i have no well, idea uh, there was a and i can't remember the guy's name there was an, an academy that has one school and the head teacher is on two hundred and seventy thousand pounds a year and he's got one school that's where the money is but that's another podcast, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, let's come back to, to to your own experiences. So a Department of Education spokesman said, a school's behaviour policy should set out the behaviour expected of pupils, the sanctions that will be imposed for misbehaviour and rewards for good behaviour. This should be communi communicated to all pupils, staff and parents. We are aware in some schools standards of behaviour remain a challenge. That is why... The government commissioned Tom Bennett to conduct an independent review of effective behaviour. We recently announced a £10 million investment through behaviour hubs 
to enable schools to share best practice on behaviour and classroom management. So what schools are are encouraged to do that? Because if it's academies, it doesn't work. Uh, So Tom Bennett is basically, who is Tom Bennett? You know, who is he? Uh, Tom Bennett is a proponent of zero tolerance behavior uh-huh. oh, he i loves, don't like him he loves zero to- and that's the thing that's what the school is doing zero yeah, tolerance it doesn't work you can't have zero tolerance of behavior i think it's important to understand why a child is behaving the way they're behaving because not all sometimes children just are being little so-and-so's I am a parent of a child of course. who who has ADHD, has ODD, but sometimes he's just being a little brat. Um, but there are times when he genuinely doesn't understand what he has done wrong. Um, and therefore, how is he expected to change his behaviour if he cannot understand why what he's done wrong, why he's being punished? It doesn't work. They keep it's a, so, like I said, he's been given two hundred detentions last year in year eight. It probably was a little bit more than that, to be honest. But that was the one of the numbers that I got from the Freedom of Information request that I did. I think they hate me now. Um, wasn't actually that eye opening. I was a bit disappointed actually. I think they have held back some documents and some emails. Um, But in all that time, all those attentions, all of those internal exclusions, all of those external exclusions, you would think that according to what this person is saying, that this year he would have had no detentions at all because he's been in the referral room for so long and been kept after school for two hours almost every single day last last year. This year he will be the model student. Wrong. Mm. Nothing has changed. And I literally said to their Senko a couple of weeks ago, it's the definition of madness, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And it's not changing. If they don't, if the detentions aren't having an impact, you need to try something else. What's the next step? How about you just talk to the child? No, no, you're you're going down the wrong wrong road here because the government has said, the Department yeah. of Education and let you know, and they, they're allowing the schools to do. They this. have said, um, "Come on, they're the all. They are the. They or, know. They're the oracle. <laughs> they have said that their new government behaviour czar, Tom Bennett, will lead ten a ten million pound project to support five hundred schools across England. Um, and he says, uh, <laughs> where is he? The idiot. Hold on. <laughs> yeah." Bennett said the scheme may very well be one. Sorry, I quote this from Schools Week. Uh, Schools Week. Uh, twenty. Actually, this week, Schools Week 2019, uh, December 21st. He says um, that the scheme may very well be one of the most significant strategies for public good we have seen in decades. Adding that he is thrilled to lead the programme. Well, how much he's because uh, he's obviously doing it for nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. Which will help schools become safer and calmer, allowing more children and staff to flourish. Has he ever worked in a school? What's his background? I don't know. I need to let me uh, um, let me have a look. Carry on talking while I find this out. So I'll tell you, um, my son's school that on their policies page, they've got their behaviour improvement pathway. 
and they have like a traffic light system green yellow amber red and gray for severe (laughs) so the green is no behavior concerns appropriate action is regular merits praise and reward praise postcards and positive letters home um well that doesn't work because my son hates the praise postcards (laughs) uh not all teachers use them effectively not all teachers and then that's the thing especially with children with adhd i think it's really important to to praise the positive behavior as soon as it happens and they don't do that i uh, will and particularly for uh disruptive i don't like calling them disruptive pupils but um so pupils that find it difficult to to uh demonstrate good behavior it's really hard to spot good behavior but as Mm. soon as you spot it do it immediately do it immediately and the naughtier the child is the less if you're untrained the less you think well that's good behavior Mm. it may be sitting up straight for 30 seconds that's good behavior Mm. praise yeah yeah Yeah. It, it could be something as simple as oh I really like the way you're 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 concentrating right now. I'm going to give you a merit. That is motivation. I've actually said to the school, if you want to, you know, email me whenever he's received a merit because I don't know, they don't have, you know, things like class dojo or whatever in 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 his school. If you tell me when that happens, I can make it so that at home if he's got a certain amount of merits during the day, he can then have, you know, extra time on his computer games or you know something so it's tied in so that home and school you know it's joined but they don't do that they they talk the talk and then they don't seem to follow anything through um if a student did that it would be an internal exclusion i think that no matter the behavior he feels that he's going to get punished yeah and look don't get me wrong reading through some of these emails i have seen what he says in class and I can hear him saying it because he says it at home so I know it's really difficult to look you know to to have him in class and he really does try to push and he knows how to push your buttons as well especially if he knows he can get under your skin that's it it's finished um but I think it's more important to ignore behavior like that so one of the behavior strategies that I had suggested to the school was that when he's feeling really frustrated and he's in a situation that is only going to escalate negatively, he should be allowed to walk away. Correct. He should reflect for five or so minutes and then come back and speak to an adult who he feels comfortable with. And then the situation can be resolved because if you don't let him walk away and you hold him there, it will just end up that, he will be internally excluded or externally excluded if it's really bad. The Senko said to me, we can't do that because the other students would see that he is not being punished for bad behaviour. He's not like other children. There you go. Dear, oh dear. You have to treat them. If he's got ADHD, then you can't have your behaviour set for everyone because it doesn't work for him, which we can see. And I asked for an adaptive behaviour policy and they said that they do not do that. They will not do that. Which I can't understand because in the same code of practice, you're meant to make reasonable adjustments. You are. And they are not. Well, it's it's all part of this academy. Um, <sighs> academies get away with murder. Mm. 
They do. And I think the behaviour policies is the greatest example of that. Just to go back a little bit, uh, first of all, you remember that head teacher I was talking to you about and saying he owns, yeah, he is the head of Holland Park Primary, uh, Secondary. He's on 270k. Uh, Let me just, I'll read the headline again from the school's week. Uh, How have they got that much money? Pay rise means Holland Park Head gets 270k to run one school. Wow. Uh, Holland Park School in Kensington, West London, has twice been asked to justify its high salaries by the government, which ruled earlier this year the single academy trust had not broken funding rules when it spent thousands of pounds on luxury products. The reason it hasn't broken the rules is because the the rules are there, so they don't they can't break them. The government has lent everything in academies and free schools favour. Mm. £270,000. And we wonder why there's no money left for the SEN children in this mm. country. This is the reason. Mm. Anyway, that's him. Uh, so let's not talk about him because he's he's annoying. <laughs> um, and I've just... Tom Bennett. Tom Bennett apparently has been a teacher or is a teacher or was a teacher. Um... An academy? No. He, Tom Bennett has been teaching in the East End of London for 13 years. Oh, whatever. I don't believe it. Whereabouts in the East End <laughs> when, of when London? We say, when we say uh, that he's... <laughs> but that said, that said, hold on. Uh, in, in 2015, he was long listed for the GEMS Global Teacher Prize. So he must surely have been in some teaching. But it doesn't say what schools he was at. So... Let's. I'd like to look into that a little bit long, a yeah. little bit deeper. To be honest, in in his previous life, he ran nightclubs in London, Soho. <laughs> well, we could like, but I used to be a, I used to be a cleaner. In no, school. I'm not. I'm not so, laughing because but, he did that. Yeah, I did before I was a teacher. I was a cleaner, which is why I take great care of our cleaners in our school. Yeah. You do. You do. Uh, did you buy them a Christmas present? Anyway, um, <laughs> I did. Oh, thank you. I knew you would. I knew you would do that. <laughs> That's why you didn't do it. Because uh, I knew that you would do it. So thank you for that. Um, so uh, he will cut this out. So when he's he's going to be doing this, he's going to oversee this ten million pound behaviour network to support five hundred schools. I'm sure he's going to visit every single one of them. The DFE said that by the end of it, teachers are expected to report fewer incidents of disruptive behaviour and pupils should report that they feel safer at school while able to learn more effectively. I hate this school speak crap that the DfE continuously come out with because they have to justify the £10 million. What I would say is distribute the £10 million to, uh, 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 on the overall school budget. It's, I mean, it is a drop in the ocean, I agree, but these stupid incentives that would have no impact they will have no impact mm. in a couple of years everyone will forget this mm. they won't know what it is tom bennett will get a fair whack of the money it's just frustratingly annoying let's finish this by just asking you where do you see what's the end game here with your son and this school well, <clears throat> for the entirety of year eight, he was um, on the waiting list to transfer. Um, all of our borough's schools are oversubscribed, so he did not get a place. Um, and then in year nine, hopefully he won't listen to this, he has 
found a girlfriend and now refuses to leave even though he is miserable there um <laughs> and there's no places there aren't any spaces in the the schools still anyway the the two that we had applied for um so even if he was on the the waiting list he still wouldn't be able to transfer to be honest i'm not it, i'm just seeing this as something we have to get through together and that's not how secondary school should be. When when he was in year six and we were going around um, to the, the secondary schools and the visits, I was so excited for him. I don't know if you remember me coming back and saying, I want to go to secondary school again. I thought it was going to be this fantastic experience. He was going to go on trips. He was going to yeah, meet new fun. people. Yep, new, um, the subjects that you learn. He had taster sessions of science and stuff like that, where they actually do like real experiments and stuff. And, I just thought it was going to be this amazing experience for him. And it's just turned out to be this oh, trauma almost. It's horrible. There are days when he refuses to wake up and they phone me and they say, you know, last year, I think it was, they phoned me 11 o'clock and said, he's not in school. Where is he? And I was at work. I thought he'd gone in. Um, To have your child not want to get up in the morning and refuse to get out of bed because he's so upset and then for the school to turn around and sort of almost blame you for it, it's, it's just, it's so frustrating. But more for him, it's heartbreaking. I, I, don't, I don't want him to experience this. He's not getting the real secondary experience that we've all had. Or any experience, yeah. is he? Because he's Making just in a, stuck in a room all the time. Um, and then they have the audacity. One of the teachers, oh, I was so angry. One of the teachers said to me, um, you know, if he was in class more, he would do so well. Wow. I said to him, you're the person who removes him from class. If you don't want him to be out of class, don't remove him. It's as simple as that. Wasn't there one teacher that was actually doing well with him? Yeah, and, and he's followed. his food technology yeah. teacher and he's now doing so well with her and he loves it and she's not doing anything special but isn't that a, isn't that just um he's actually found something that he likes doing i think yes and no because there is you know with, with food technology i've been saying to him you know i'll he doesn't cook at home <laughs> that's one thing um that's because he's a teenager. Yeah, teenager. But I've said to him, you know, I'll pay for you to, to do cookery mm. classes in the evening and he doesn't really want to. I don't know. I think, yes, it is. I think it's a combination. Because I think he wants to be with his new girlfriend. No, she's not in that, that class. English she no, is. No, in the evening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's someone that isn't constantly... At him all yeah. the time. Yeah. I think with him, the more you say... I'm going to sign you up for this and sign you up for that. That's why I've stopped. He'll, yeah, that's he, why I've completely no, he stopped. He probably does want to do it, but yeah. he, he's going to do that in his own time. Yeah. <laughs> but it would be, I mean, that sort of thing should give you hope. Yeah. There's something he likes doing. He's not, and this is the thing, he's not a bad child, as in no children are bad, but he's not, he's not naughty. He's not, in inverted comments, he's not, you know, there's, there's not. He's just got personality. That's what I find as well. Is that in in these academies they don't want personality. Don't, they don't want personality, yeah. and he ha and that's why our niece struggled in. Her you know academy. what? The academies remind me of a Doctor Who episode, and I can't remember what it was called a few years ago, where the children, uh, these aliens, had taken over the school, and the children came in, came in, took their coats off in a straight line, 
almost marched the way to the school uh, to the classroom sat down hold your pen start writing look up put down start writing that's what's happened to our academies Mm, they mm. are churning out robotic children but even Mm. even in primary schools our niece used to go to one and she just wasn't allowed to express herself and was constantly getting in trouble because she was just being herself Mm. in no naughty way at all Mm. and then she went to a our school yeah and she's which is why our, our school is a creative mm. school because children need to express themselves mm. um, and be creative. The only way they're going to do that is uh, to allow them to be creative. Mm. And less and less schools are doing it. And this is at a time when Ofsted are, are demanding it, mm. but you will not get the the, the government backing that up because my, all they care about are your reading writing math scores and blah 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 blah, blah. Th- there's something wrong my son's school they had their first Ofsted um, a few weeks ago I've just checked the, the report is still not out um, and I wrote I think I read it to you didn't I my parent survey answer <laughs> it's quite funny um, I thought I'd maybe get a call or maybe you know I think it I don't know because you put in your email address or I thought they would reach out or, or something. I didn't hear anything. Um, so it's almost as if they don't care. And I, and I spoke about, care. you know, his mental well-being mm. and yeah. But they don't care nothing. because all of this and people need to understand Ofsted, DfE, uh, these schemes, uh, whatever it is, you know, let's put 10 million pound into this, blah, 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 blah. It's all to tick boxes. Boxes, yeah, of course. That's all it's for. Let me, um, I just wanted to read some of the yellow behaviour on there, behaviour improvement Oh yeah, pathway. let's do that. Yeah. Um, so a yellow behaviour would be lack of attention slash rule breaking in class, reminder, warning, detention. Um, and again, a child with ADHD. Yeah. He can't help. Yep. Sometimes when he can't pay attention. Mm. Um, and again, remember, they refuse to adapt to the behaviour policy. Mm. Um, talking in line after a warning is a 20-minute detention. Missing or unsatisfactory homework, in parentheses, first time, 20-minute detention. Incorrect uniform is a call home plus a 20-minute detention plus correction or withdrawal from lessons. So if you... And not, and this is how lovely my child is. Can I just say he was in the referral, no referral unit. He was in the reflection room, internal exclusion, and he had his tie. He had all of his uniform. This was for something else. And a child came in and was going to be put into the internal exclusion because he did not have his tie. So my son gave his tie to that child because he didn't need it because he was in internal exclusion. So he gave it to the other child so that he wouldn't be removed yeah. from class. That's lovely. But the fact that a child would not be allowed into class because they have forgotten their tie mm. is disgusting. Mm. I'm going to make <laughs> you more outraged. Mm. Uh, have you heard of a lady called Janet Street? Porter. Yes. Okay. Ah. So <laughs> the teeth and the hair. Yes. Um 
but that's cool. That's all right. Yeah. Um, she said, this is a couple of years old, actually. It's in the Independent, uh, 2017, September. I usually quite like her. Is this not going to... This is going to make me not like her. Yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> she says the parents complaining about strict school rules could do with a lesson or two themselves. Hmm. Um, she says, at some point in our lives, we have to learn to listen, to accept authority and to face the fact that someone else might know more than we do. I can agree with that. Hmm. Um, she's talking about a head teacher that's taken over um, this school and is getting a lot of hassle Um as a head teacher of because of what he's trying to put in the, 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 the behavior policies trying to put in, she says sad, but predictable that in 19, uh, 19 in 2000, <laughs> sorry, 1917. Wow. Uh, I think the Barry was alive then. But, um, anyway. Oh, you better take that out. Yeah. Sad, but predictable in 2017, so many children have been corrupted by the concept of choice, which generally means doing exactly what they want when it suits them. Parents fail to institute boundaries from bed bedtimes to polite behaviour and expect schools to do most of the job of parenting for them. Instead of saying no, parents start a chat about options and rewards. Wow, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. She'll have to be um, careful with that. I mean, having... Sorry. The idea of choice. So I've got to just read this as well. A ferocious group of, of concerned great Yarmouth parents are moaning on their Facebook page about kids being upset, claiming that the new regime amounts to army-like schooling and borderline bullying. Janet Street Porter goes on to say, I wonder how many of these whingers have jobs and bosses they have to report to. <gasps> I am employed, can I just say. <laughs> At some, at some point in our lives, if we want to get work, we have to learn to listen, to accept authority and to face the fact that someone else might know more than we do. Um, wow. That is, <sighs> I am, oh, wow. I'm actually really shocked. Um, also, I know that people, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the sort of older generations will say in my Sorry, day. It goes on. Okay, I'm, I've go. got to stop you even more. <laughs> How about this? How about this? This is really as a this is this is gonna have a well. You're not a veggie, but you're a vegan. Okay. Am I allowed to respond to it, or should I just? No, you must respond. <laughs> yeah. uh, so she says. Can I just say I do like Janice Street Porter as well. She's yeah. quite hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, so we all sat through school assembly in my time at my Church of England secondary school. Uh, sorry, Jews, Buddhists, and Hindus all sat through a hymn and prayer together at the start of every day at lunchtime. We filed into a room and ate more or less the same. There were no special prayer meetings, no packed lunches, no veggie options, just more vegetables. In other words, the enfeebling, corrupting concept of choice had not been allowed to take root and flourish. Listen to me, you vegan. You don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, but... Oh, oh, there's yeah. so much to pick apart there. Is it... Can I say that you are educationally outraged? Oh, I'm infuriated. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's finish it there. We're going to finish with this. Oh, no. Before we do, I better say goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Lucy. Thanks for coming on the show, Lucy. Thanks for having me. And thanks to you, Katie. For kind of being in the background. Being in the background. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you.